Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bienvenidos, señores y señores, to another episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast. This episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, football, college football, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting. And your favorite casino and card games are available to play right from your phone. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. And joining us on the Carne Asada today is La Reina de Playa Larga, Amy Cuevas, and Babyface. So let's just get right into it. Um, ladies and gentlemen, with two weeks left in the season, your Los Angeles Dodgers have clinched the NL West. This is the 10th time they've won the division in the last 11 years. Um, and I, I'll be the first one. I was the one that picked the show pods to win this year. I thought the show pods, uh, you know, with how they ended last year, I thought they had momentum going into this year. They were going to be a cohesive unit. And if you read all the stories that have been broken, that broke out this week about how the show pods clubhouse is a mess. And basically Manny Machado is the one to blame. Hey, we told you that a week before that story broke out, right? Heath Bell, friend of the carne asada, was on the show. Heath Bell told us everything that was in that story that the San Diego Tribune was reporting, which I found very interesting that a lot of players, Will Myers and some other former Padres, were coming out there and saying that that story was bullshit. But obviously, there's a problem with that clubhouse, and it translated to the, on the field, there was a very interesting stat, um, and it, somebody on a Reddit shared this stat, and I don't know if it is true, but if it is true, if you reverse the one, the one run loss records of all the teams in Major League Baseball, the show pods would be in second place. So a lot of the games that the show pods lost were one run games. So I wonder if being a cohesive team contributed to that because if you looked at if you look at the show pods numbers as a team they have like the best ERA in Major League Baseball and then they win when they win when they score runs they score a lot of them but when they don't score that it it, it ends up it results in a loss so I really thought going into it this year the show pods I, I, I bought into the hype. I bought into whatever. I said, look, those guys are young and those guys are good. Those guys are really good. I mean, as, as much as people want to hate Manny Machado, Manny Machado is a hell of a baseball player. And, and the thing is, is he's so good. He makes it look easy. So there's always the questioning of the effort with him. Juan Soto is, is basically having a Juan Soto season. I think the issue was Tatis, and if you guys listened to the episode with Heath, Heath has some questions in regards to Tatis. So there was a bunch of, it seems like there was chemistry issues or whatever. So the, the show pods were not gelling. Well, guess what? The Dodgers did not have that problem. The Dodgers are a team all year long. All we heard was how everybody loved playing on this team, how everybody feels like the Doyers are just, you know, they all love, I mean, Dave Roberts has said this was his favorite team to manage. Everybody loves coming to work because of those guys. And all of a sudden it turned in August, they went nuts. I mean, at the all-star break, they were tied. 
Now, we're not even, we'll get into it, but I want to get into first the initial reaction of, again, the Dodgers proving me wrong, the Dodgers winning the division 10 out of 11 times. Reina, does this get old to you? No, but I think that's where we're spoiled, right? Like, we kind of expect it every year. I, I don't know that I was, I didn't count us out, but I was definitely resigned to whatever's going to happen this year is going to happen. But, I mean, we were talking about the cohesion issues in, in the Padres clubhouse, speculating on that, you know, during the summer where our guys are coming together. They're doing that Freddie dance with people in the crowd as they're clinching, and the crowd's doing it back in an away stadium. Like, what this team like it just I couldn't stop smiling last night not only because we clinched but just because of who they are and how they come together like we just we have such a great group of guys like how lucky are we uh babyface take your victory lap because I think you had picked you I know you picked the the Dodgers going 162 and oh that didn't come to fruition but you without a doubt you said the Dodgers were going to win um the division so go ahead, sir. The floor is yours. Take, take, uh, take your points. Take your spoils. You're right. Nobody knows more baseball on this show than you. Yeah. Well, like I said at the beginning of the year, I mean, I, I had mentioned I didn't care where they kind of came out on top, or if they're on top or the wild card, whatever. After last season, it kind of didn't matter. But I still felt the Dodgers were going to win the division, and they did. I mean, I, I never bought into the Padres hype, and I've told you guys this time and time and time again. Because I do not see a leader, exactly what Heath Bell told us. Manny Machado is not a leader. Juan Soto is not a leader. Uh, Tatis is not a leader. When you look at those guys, compare them to a Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, nothing comes close. And that's what I see in the Padres. They're, you look at that, that entire organization. I, I even Their social media. Look what they did with Kershaw. Would the Dodgers ever do something like that? Right? I mean, it's from... It's from the top to the bottom of that organization that that organization just, I don't know, there's something about that organization that they're not, they lack professionalism or there's something about them. And until they learn to either be more of a cohesive unit, I don't see them winning. You've got to look at too, like even even last night during, if anybody watched the celebration after the fact, we know that Freddie and Mookie are leaders in that clubhouse. We know Kershaw has his uh, his influence as well. But you've got people like Jason Hayward, Jay Hay giving that speech, Rojas kind of rallying everybody together. It's not just one leader in there. They're they all have their different um, niches that they 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 fill in and you can see it. Everybody. It wasn't just that they were excited that they clinched. They were genuinely happy for each other. And that's not something I see in every team. Well, I mean, one of the things I think we've talked about it throughout the year, but I think this serves as a really good reminder is what they had to overcome to win this division. Um, I mean, they, it was a struggle at the beginning of the year with the injuries, especially the pitching staff being decimated. And there was all this talk about the depth. And even going into it, it seemed that this team was not as deep as it's been in past years, that the farm system is not as deep as it's been in past years. I think what we've discovered so far up until this point is the depth was in the pitching in the minor leagues. It was not in the position players. Because a lot of these guys were guys that were coming straight from double A that started pitching in the major leagues. And, and we got a taste of it in this weekend series. So uh, again, I really just want, I want to focus on the, I look, we talked about this on the live, Look, the Dodgers have overachieved at this point. I mean, whatever happens the rest of the season, Look, it, it was gravy, and I know if the Dodgers end up getting eliminated, I'm going to hear it from fans. Oh, another season where we lost. Oh, we suck and all that stuff. Guys, we weren't even supposed to be here. So let me ask you, I mean, right then and there, would you take this? Would you rather take this year where, once again, they win the division, they played good baseball, we saw them win more games than lose. That was fun to watch. You can you need to take me. You you wouldn't take that. You would rather that they just suck. Then, if but, they're not going to win the World Series, they should just suck. Is that what it is, babyface? But who says they weren't supposed to be there? The 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 baseball critics, the analytics people, like who 
who? If you ask the Dodgers, hey, are you supposed to be here? I can tell you 100% they're supposed to be there. So who do we go by? Like the people that supposedly know baseball. I've never even probably even played baseball, right? Or the team that's actually playing. You go by what you see on the field, right? So at the beginning of the season, you haven't seen that team. So what do you do? You go off of the numbers. That's what everybody does. That's what the baseball card is, right? You go into every season going, these guys are going to do the same thing that they do every year, right? That's how they decide what the, what the team's going to do. But there's a lot of variables with this Dodgers team this year because of the amount of rookies that were going to be involved. Miguel Vargas was going to get a chance. James Outman was going to get a chance. Those guys don't have a baseball card yet. Those guys, we don't know what they're going to do. So there was a lot of more variables with the Dodgers. With the show pots, those are baseball cards over there. Those are guys that if they normally do what they do, they're going to have a good season. What never gets factored in in the beginning is how a team is going to gel or the intangibles. And that that's why you play the games, right? Because if it was done, everything was on paper, then a team that won 111 games last year wouldn't have gotten eliminated in the NLDS, right? I mean, that that's why you play the games. So I, I get why people were picking the show pods. I, I really do. But... This is a tribute to the Dodgers, man. This is to because how many people have we had on the show that have told us the Padres have a more talented roster if you go based on paper, but you still have to play the games. And Babyface, you've said this many times. The Dodger players have, and maybe we didn't have this in the past, but it seems in this year, you have guys who are more willing to do the dirty work that are willing to move runners over. La Reina de Playa Larga has harped on this for a long time. Small ball, small ball, small ball. You have guys on this team that seem to be, and look, we heard this all during the whole clinching. Kershaw brought it up. You have guys on this team that are willing to do what's best for the team, and that has resulted into wins. And for me, it was very enjoyable to see this team. I didn't... I mean, do you, did, let me let me go to uh, Babyface. Did you expect James Outman to have the season that he had, especially once May came around? I mean, I think, I mean, I didn't expect him to win like Rookie of the Year. I mean, after the first month, we were thinking like, man, he might win Rookie of the Year, right? But then they caught up to him. But I mean, I was glad he was able to bounce back and and. I mean, he's had, he's had a great season, right? 21 home runs. I mean, he's been doing it all. His he's, his defense has gotten a lot better. Um, I mean, I was expecting him to be pretty serviceable, right? And I think he's, he's exceeded those expectations, right? We're seeing – I mean, I think he, he will get some Rookie of the Year votes, right? I think – I mean, maybe Corbin Carroll's probably run away with it, but, I mean, I think yeah. you'll probably see James Alman in, probably in that top five. I mean, he, I think he's had a, a, a great season. I think um, – I think he has exceeded, like I said, our expectation of, of what we thought he was going to bring to this team. Oh, I, I was not expecting this season from James Outen. I wanted the Dodgers to give him a chance, but I'll be honest with you. When I saw what happened to him in May, I was like, ooh, I mean, this is tough. I, I didn't think he was going to be able to make the adjustment, and he did, which is a tribute to his work ethic and how talented he is because there was another rookie who was higher on the totem pole that he did than him, who couldn't make that adjustment. And because of that, we never saw him back up here again for this season. Because of that, the Dodgers went and got Colton Wong. Because if you could rely on Miguel Vargas, you wouldn't have gotten Colton Wong. So, I, I mean, those are the kind of pleasant surprise. I never would have, I had no clue who the hell Emmett Sheehan was. To have Emmett Sheehan come up and give the contributions that he did. I just, I, I feel like the Dodgers really overcame a lot. And I just feel like regardless whether they win the world series or not, the fact that these rookies went through what they went through this year, I feel they're going to be so much better next year because of that. The experience that she and what Pepe, what Popote is going through, what, what Bobby ice is going through. I mean, this is, this is hopefully the beginning now of that next wave, that next nucleus, that next group of Dodgers that we're going to see 
and it's going to continue. Yeah, we've we won ten out of eleven this year. Maybe this means here comes another five because we got this nucleus that got the experience. What say you, Reina? I was just going to say, I think it goes to the depth, like where a lot of people may have counted us out because they this might have been a rebuild year. We still had the depth, whether it was offensively or defensively. You Maybe we wanted to have more of those veteran pitchers there. Injuries knocked that out of the park. But you still we still brought up a ton of rookies, and they managed to get us here yeah. with that, that mix. And the same thing with the depth and the defense. You've got Lux going out in the beginning of the season. We bring in Rojas. Everybody's a little skeptical of that, and look what he's done. He's in the clubhouse, on the field. But you've got people. We brought Kike back, Rosario, who is a shortstop. And we've got him playing second base and playing it well. Now we're bringing in Wong and he's at second. Like we we're able to platoon. We have the depth so that if people are falling, you know, going on the IL or whatever, we can still bring that to the to the table. But if we are bringing up all these rookies, we do have that veteran presence. You've got Peralta, you've got JD Martinez, you've got Jay Hay and and Rojas there. So that even if these guys are stumbling, maybe they can't, you know it's got to be rocky to come up your first year and then have all these expectations on you. You've got these people that they can lean on and you can see it. I think it was either today or yes, it was today in the game where Jason Hayward saw something in the pitching and he's mentioning that to Outman and Outman's taking that into his at bats. How lucky are these rookies not only to come up and get this experience, but also to have that veteran leadership to lead on. That's it's just amazing. I mean, that's another dude right there. Uh, Jason Hayward, uh, look, if you thought he was going to be a major part of this team, then go buy yourself a lottery ticket, man. You you know much more than I do. I mean, this is a guy who got signed to a minor league contract in spring training, and they got picked up as a major league contract. And for him to be hitting now over 280 and having the season that he's having, the fact that because he's contributing as much as he is, he almost hit for the cycle today. Yeah, <laughs> and and because his bat has been so good, all right, Mookie, we're going to put you at second base, right? Because now we don't have to, oh, we have to play Mookie in, in right field. No, we got Jason Hayward. We can put Jason Hay Hayward out in right field. So there's been a lot of contributions that I just, I look, if you saw it, coming then hey you are a baseball savant or you're a fucking liar so, can, you know, we just, think, can we just say that we trust andrew freeman at this point yeah, i was like, gonna say i think you're talking about andrew friedman right i mean because yeah he, he went out there and he, he signed perota and 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 hayward and everybody's like really those dudes like why like yeah. he traded for rojas like like why like how are they going to help us you know the other teams philly's got trey turner padre's got bogarts right and we're like, really? And look at what these guys, they've all contributed, right? They've all done their part. You know, Rojas, he might not have the greatest bat, but he's been solid, solid at shortstop, right? And he has picked it up since August, right? I think he's picked up. He's hitting a lot better. And he's like he said, Jay Hay and, and, and Perarta, that they've been they've been doing what they have to do. There's there's that veteran presence that I think this Dodgers team needed. Everybody was bummed in the offseason and they were bummed at the trade deadline. And all of the people we picked up, with the exception of Syndergaard, worked out <laughs> beyond everybody's expectations. Well, not everybody bats a thousand, right, Reina? I mean, yes, Friedman, Friedman did miss on, on, on one at least. But just you got you mentioned Miguel Rojas. I, I just want to bring this up to you guys. Since Miguel Rojas made an appearance on the Bleed Lows podcast and talked to us about the Bleed Lows bump, this is what Miguel Rojas has done. He's hitting 305, two home runs, and 13 RBIs. 305 since coming on the show. And for those of you that have been watching Dodger baseball all season, no, it was a struggle for him at the plate. Defensively, he did not let his offensive woes affect his defense. He's been fantastic defensively the whole year. But I'm just saying, just putting it out there, these are facts, because a lot of people don't like to give us credit. I'm just saying, we talked to him. He talked to me about the bleedless bump and admitted it was right that it was real, that it was about good vibras, and the guy is, is reaping the benefits of it. So... Now, I want to talk real quick uh, about that celebration because, uh, I mean, Kershaw talked about it, how it's like you can't take it for granted because there's been people that 
never experienced that. And Babyface has said this before too. There's rookies on the team that this is the first time that they're going through a celebration like that. Um, I want to get your guys' thoughts on the celebration, but I just do want to point out it got a little R-rated there. I don't know if anybody caught this, but Dave Roberts and the champagne and the uh, the premature popping comment. Uh, Reina, uh, were you okay with that comment? Because I had a feeling that the people in Sportsnet LA were just cringing when that was happening, where it was just like, oh, okay, everybody's ad-libbing right now. This is not good. I mean, he kept it PG. I mean, it's they were having fun. The PG, I laughed. Did you think I, that was PG when he said he was like, he, "Hey, hey he didn't with say, the premature popping. You're not 16 anymore." He didn't use technical terms that might have gotten people way more bent out of shape. He kept it like he kept it low key. It was funny. It was to me, it was topical. Like we're all adults. Like if your kids are up watching that at that point, they're not going to know what premature popping is. And if you have to explain that, then you know what. I, I didn't get it till now. So, all right, there we go. So, thank you. That, that's why we have the rain on the show to explain to us what premature popping is. But, uh, you're welcome. I mean, there was a great moment, babyface, and I don't know if you saw it when they were interviewing Sheehan, uh, Popote, Bobby Miller, and Gavin Stone, and you could just see. I feel like they had this like deer caught in the headlights kind of look like wow, man, like, this is what happens when you win a division. And I think that those are the moments that you live for. But then you also saw it with guys like Miguel Rojas and Peralta, guys who have lived on the other end where you don't win every year. What what were your thoughts on the celebration? Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking that that exact same thing, right? Like, Because you have... You have a guy like Kershaw, who's pretty much done this almost his entire career. I think he's only missed like three times, right? And then you have, you had all those rookies, right? All those rookies experience, experiencing this for the first time. They're like, wow, man, this is this is so cool. Like, they're going to want to continue to do this every single year, right? Then you have the other guys, like you said, that maybe occasionally they've done it. And then I even went out and I thought about like, you know, guys like, you know, how we, we always talk about like, they're saying you can't take this for granted because you never know when it's going to end. Yeah. So my mind went to somebody like, Justin Turner, who was yeah. a part of this for so long, right? Now he's in Boston, not experiencing this. Who knows if he stays there again? He may never have this opportunity again, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. that's why you celebrate it, because you never know when it's going to end. And every every opportunity that, that they get to do it, they got to celebrate it, you know, that day. And then, but they know what their ultimate goal is, obviously, right? But celebrate it and then get ready for the next. Another part that I really enjoyed about the celebration was it really is not just the team, but it's an organizational thing because you saw Friedman drenched in champagne. You saw the clubbies. We know this because, you know, we're in the clubhouse, but people like, you know, our friend of the carne asada, Juan Dorado, he he was covered in champagne. He had the the goggles on. So it was really, you kind of forget the people that work behind the scenes that help these guys every day with the day-to-day responsibilities of running a baseball team. They got to partake in in the celebration. So that was nice. Reina, you were going to say. Oh, I was just going to say, even from, because Roger just brought up the the JT thing, because that went through my mind as well. Like, you didn't see Kike as active as, like, Rojas in the celebration, and that could just be where the cameras were. But it made me wonder... He's been a lot more humble since he came back, still goofs off and everything, but he's been a lot more humble, you know, on, on with whatever the team mentality is of, you know, platooning and whatnot. Was he just humbled in that moment too of like, wow, I'm back here because Boston, while they were, they did good, they didn't do as well as we did in in some of those seasons where like we're saying we've gone 10 out of the last 11 years. So what I'm just curious, like for people like him or even just, you know, Jason Hayward, Rojas, are they like, I, I would love to pick their brains, like what was going through their minds, like as they're getting to do this again, because the Dodgers, the rest of the Dodgers are spoiled by this. You know, you bring up a very interesting point, Reina, because it's like those midseason acquisitions, those guys, like, you're right. It may be where the cameras were. For all we know, Kike might have been partying just as hard as everyone else. But I wonder if those because it, that first month after the trade deadline, 
I talked to Rosario and Rosario had said that he, you know, he's just, he wants to be a part of the team. He wants to be a part of the team. Like how much do those guys who were mid season acquisitions, how much do they feel a part of that team? Like Lance Lynn is a dude who's won a world series. He's been through this, but like, how much do those guys feel like, you know, how much is this my, my celebration? Does that make sense? Serena? Yeah, I mean, I I guess that that's that's kind of what I was what was going through my head too. But then you've also got I forgot to totally mention Joe Kelly. They've all experienced this with different teams at different points, but the Dodgers do it consistently. Mm-hmm. So is it like also a feeling of just being happy to come back? It looked like Lance Lynn was pretty comfortable spraying Kershaw with you know yeah. champagne or beer. Like everybody was enjoying it, but I just wonder if they have those moments of pause of like, wow, like how lucky are we? That, that that's true. Babyface, do you think those guys, those midseason acquisitions, feel like, hey, I I have every right to, because I helped you guys do this, I have every right to celebrate as much as you guys do. I think they do because we've seen on that team any any guy that's on that roster, they're welcomed in and they're 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 made to feel like they are a part of this team, no matter when they got there, if it was day one or they just got called up. They are they are a part of that team, and I think that entire team makes them feel that way. So all those guys deservedly are are celebrating like they've accomplished this together as one whole unit. Yeah, I, I the other thing that I love and that I discovered is, and I kind of knew this before, just covering the team for the whole season, but it was confirmed and made obvious to everyone is that this Doyers teams love tequila. I have never. You guys correct me if I'm wrong. Have you ever seen them do a tequila shot before they pop the champagne? It's always been champagne and beer. And it seems like Miguel Rojas was the one who started the tequila uh, obsession on this team. But I remember throughout the season seeing a bottle of tequila on Roberts's desk. And I'm just like, man, this team drives Roberts to drink. He also had a Topo Chico. So I think he was drinking La Princesa de Picolandia's drink, the ranch water. Uh, but I mean, there was a, a very fancy bottle of tequila flowing around uh, that clubhouse in that celebration. Reina, uh, does this make you love this team even more because they love tequila so much? Oh my gosh. Yes. I was just like, yes, that's, that's our thing. Yes. <laughs> But I mean, aside from that, I was going to ask you guys too. like watching it. I know like my cheeks hurt just from smiling from watching them. Like I could not be prouder to be a fan of this team, prouder of this team and what they've accomplished this year and every year. But like these are the moments where I love baseball, the stats, everything that got us here. But just watching them be happy. Like, how could you how could you not smile watching their like just their joy? Like, how are you guys feeling watching it? I mean, it's a little different for me now because I because I was I've been around this team so much this year. It, I was able to look at it through a different lens in the sense that I looked at it as like these guys put in a lot of work. These guys show up to the stadium early. They're putting in the work. They put in. They deal with a lot, uh, not only physically but mentally. You know, it's a long season. You have slumps. You have to deal with. The media, why do you suck? Here, let me shove a microphone in your face right after, you know, a tough loss. They go through all of that stuff. And so when you see them celebrating and they're letting themselves go, because that was what was very obvious to me, was it felt like finally everybody lightened up. And they're like, we're just going to go ahead and party. And what I was like, they deserve this. And I'm so glad that they get to do this. I did feel bad for Kirsten. Poor Kirsten was just, you know, I have to conduct an interview here and I, I got to get my head on a swivel because I don't know where I'm going to take. And some of those champagne shots look like they're brutal. Like, like Mookie, I mean, thank goodness he had the goggles because I think he was just, I know Kershaw likes to say, just let it burn. But I just had the eye, my my memory of when poor Matt Kemp got it in the eyes and he's just like, my eyes, my eyes, you know, it's um, but that's what it was. I I, I really got it. I, I this time I got a sense. I wasn't happy as a fan. I was happy for them because I was just like, these guys, they've accomplished something. And for them to take the opportunity to appreciate it and really enjoy it, because in two weeks time. 
the the uh, la, las nalgas are going to be clenched and it's going to be stress and i don't know if you can enjoy the playoffs so um that's what i was thinking what uh, what say you babyface yeah i always look forward to uh kind of like right before they start right and, and roberts has them there and, and what they do like they did the, the tequila shot this time and then who they get to speak right like that rojas this time and then they got jay hay and you know previous years have been like Kirsch, or it, it kind of depends i guess the way they said they did that one is who was kind of big in that series. So that's why Jay yep. talked on, on that one. And then I remember a couple of years ago, Muncie was the year Muncie got hurt. Do you remember that? Like they're yeah. like, we got to get Muncie on the phone. And then everybody they're running around to get Muncie on the phone. So I mean, even from that, you see how this 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 team that they're they're about one each other and they think about one another. And 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 that's why I kind of look forward to that to that speech, kind of just to hear what they have to say. Everything that all their work, you know, has come down to that moment. And, and I enjoy hearing, you know, what they have to say at that moment. Yeah. I mean, it's fun to watch. And now we get two weeks of meaningless baseball, even though the Dodgers still do have something to play for because they want to keep that number two spot. And right now they're seven and a half games ahead of the Cerveceros. So barring a complete meltdown in these next two weeks, the Dodgers will be comfortably in that number two spot. And it's just going to be a game of musical chairs uh, to see who they end up playing in the national league, uh, divisional series. So why don't we let's, uh, let's do this. Let's take a break. And then when we come back, uh, let's actually talk some baseball. There was some baseball played this weekend and it was, it was a pretty uh, exciting uh, three games in Seattle. So uh, we'll be right back. So the Doyers went up to Seattle facing a Marineros team that, you know, is not only fighting for their playoff lives, but they have a chance to still win the division. Um, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know what the results were of today's games, but I believe they're a game and a half, or did they, do we know if they lost a game? Um, I thought these games were going to be very tough. Uh, because we we had Gary Harrell Jr. on the show prior, and you know he told us the the Marinero strength is their pitching, and and we saw that. I mean that game on Saturday, you go zero zero into extra innings. I mean you couldn't. I don't think either team could have pitched better. And that game on Friday, for the most part, before the Dodgers were able to break it open, was another well pitched game. And then on Sunday, the hangover squad came out there and they handled business. I did not foresee that the Dodgers were going to sweep the Marineros. Now, to me, with the exception of probably Sunday's game, but especially those first two games, Friday and Saturday, they felt like playoff games. And I am very encouraged by how the Dodgers handled those first two games. Now, I will say this. It looks like they kind of got the Marineros at the right time because it looks like the Marineros are, are starting to go through it. I think as of today now, they've lost 10 of their last 15. So they they definitely went into a funk. And I think you could see what the weaknesses of that team, and it's offensively, uh, because I think their pitchers held, held their own. Uh, Reina, were you just as surprised as I was to see a sweep? And how did you view those games up in Seattle? Yeah, um, and to answer your question from earlier, they're a game back. They have the first uh, wild card slot right now. So um, after today's games. Uh, Thank I, you, Stats. You're welcome. <laughs> um, honestly, I, I was a little iffy. I think when I gave you my picks earlier, I didn't know how it was going to go because the Mariners are in a – a do or die situation. They, like you said, they're trying to win the division, but they're also, you know, trying to keep their wild card spot. So it was, I was a little worried because sometimes our small ball doesn't come through. And with us, you know, trying to figure out pitching Kirsch coming back, getting to see how, you know, how, he, how long he was going to go. What does his velocity look like? And we got to see that. I don't think he really hit 90, but he went, you know, he went four innings. Nobody scored against him. So, I was actually really surprised. It looked like we got to try some stuff out, even with the hangover squad. Like we got to, to test some stuff out. Yarbrough went, um, you know, four and two thirds innings. Stone went three and a third. Like we got to see some really good baseball and they did play small ball, which I was, I was really encouraged by that because with the playoff atmosphere, 
this is what we're going to need in the next two weeks, not just hitting for the fences and, and then also hoping that our, you know, our pitching doesn't blow it out and then we have to back it up. Other than the Dodgers winning the division, what were you looking to to see them accomplish this weekend in Seattle, babyface? I think I think all eyes were on on yesterday's game, right? We wanted to see how Kershaw was going to come out. Um, you know, he gave him four early on. I mean, it, it kind of I was, you know, he was he was a little bit off for that first inning, right? And a lot of you know, a lot of balls. He gave up some walks and. It kind of—I was looking at him. It kind of felt like—I don't know if he was just kind of irritated with the strike zone, but his body language was kind of weird. Like, so I mean, it might have just been the strike zone because it looked like some of those were strikes. But then, yeah, he after that, you know, he—he he wasn't, uh, you know, the velocity wasn't, you know, that high, maybe like 89, 90, right? But he was still out there. He was striking out guys. I think he struck out four right in that time. So, I mean, that's definitely encouraging. You know, I, I was thinking maybe you should have try to get him to five because I think they have to kind of build him up a little bit again, right? Going into the postseason. So you want to at least get to five, maybe six, uh, but maybe, you know, next time around. But I think that is kind of what the one thing I was looking most forward to seeing. Um, I mean, when we talked to Gary, you know, kind of seeing Julio Rodriguez, right? And Dodgers, they, they, they held him down this weekend. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't do much. I mean, I think the biggest thing I remember him doing was, um, that home run today by Almond that we didn't know, like, did he catch it or what yeah, was going that, on, right? Because he's, he's done that before, and then all of a sudden he's like, here's the ball. I thought he was going to do that again, but no, he didn't get it this time. Yeah, I, look, before we focus on Kershaw, I, I just want to add this. One of the things that I was very pleasantly surprised with, and this is what I actually am looking to see more of in these next two weeks, was uh, Bobby Ice. Um, that inning, uh, his last inning of work, when when the Marineros actually started getting runners on base, I like that he didn't completely lose his composure. He limited the damage. Yes, he gave up three runs. But we saw this earlier in the season, and I think this is how you measure his progress against the Giants. And I think the, the other one was, was it? It was the Astros, right? Or was it the Yankees? He had two back-to-back starts where the inning just ballooned on him. And he ended up it just giving up a lot of runs. And so when it felt like a playoff atmosphere because it was close, it was getting late, like it was hard to get runs, it was getting late in the game. And to me, I was like, all right, this is what we're going to see in the playoffs. If he's going to be our number one starter or as – they're, you know, hedging their bets or game two. This is what it's going to be like. What is he going to be like when runners are on base? It's late in the games and it's a pivotal part where if they break open the game over uh, in this inning, the game is over. So I was very encouraged to see how Bobby Eyes handled that. I want to turn now my, my focus on Kershaw. So here's the thing. I, everything that you're saying, babyface, like you would like to see him stretched out. He threw 56 pitches. He went four innings and he threw 56 pitches. Uh, early on, it seemed like his command was not there again. Now, it wasn't as bad as it was when he was in Miami. And I think that's that's the issue. That's the concern. Uh, look, you got two weeks. How many more starts do you guys think he's going to have? Reina realistically do you expect him to start twice or are we only going to see him do make one more start i think i mean ideally if they're going to stretch him out too but being that we've already moved him back from you know what his original start was to friday to saturday it might only be one more time but it, it also depends like we were talking about before does he fight doc on that and he wants to get two starts in what do they agree to and, you know, what can they get him to commit to? Because even when you saw him in the dugout during the game, talking to Doc after that fourth inning, it wasn't the usual, like, kind of terse, like, no, I want to go back in. It's like, it sounds like they had already maybe pre-discussed that, so it was okay. But if they're going to do it like that, maybe four innings were just limiting you, maybe we get two more out of him. But if he wants to continue to stretch out himself, they may they may have to pull him back just for his own health and maybe limited to one. I mean, like you said, babyface, he went four. He didn't give up any runs, but the fact that he only threw 56 and they, 
they pulled him after 56 and you mentioned you don't know if he was upset more at the strike zone or is this Kershaw being upset because he realizes there is something wrong physically with him and it's the frustration that he can't be who he is and it's I don't know if it's he can't be who he is because of the injury or it's also father time is knocking on the door and it's just like hey so for me, what is concerning, once again, is if this is the plan, if we can't even get Kershaw to five, this is what I've talked about on previous episodes, it's going to be another bullpen game that we're adding to the playoffs. And if that's the case, after I we finish talking about Kershaw, I want to talk about this postseason playoff roster and how it's going to be constructed. But your final thoughts on Clayton Kershaw. And... Another thing with with the uh, clinch though is we didn't get to hear from Roberts. We didn't get to hear from Kershaw, you know, specifically about his start. So we don't know how he ended up feeling in that game. You know, was there any issues with his shoulder or whatever? Or how he felt, and then today, I guess he wasn't around and nobody asked or whatever. So we don't we don't know. It's kind of like I don't think they're gonna wait. You know, I think he had like a ten days off. I don't think it's gonna be another ten day layoff. I mean, I hope, would hope not. I mean, I would hope. It is going to be, you know, two more starts. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that's something that we need to find out because we don't know what the status is with Kershaw because of, obviously, the clinch. Yeah, be, I mean, it. go ahead, Reina. I was going to say, to be fair, I mean, we did co-11 innings in that game, so that wouldn't, I mean, unless we are, that's going to be how the play, wow, I can't even talk tonight. That's going to be how the playoffs play out. But, I mean, he went four. We piggybacked him with Sheehan. They both they didn't give up any runs at that point. So I know the concern and you brought this up before is as you start bringing more people in is one of those people having a bad day, but for the most part with how it worked yes, or yeah, it was yesterday. I mean, it worked out. Okay. So, so if, the fact if, that they, they pulled him after 56, that doesn't concern you. It, like, it, like that seems like a really does. low pitch count for him. But keep in mind, Everybody could see it. I mean, we all have that digital strike zone now. We're seeing the the velocity of every pitch he's throwing. They weren't hitting 90. If we were all noticing that, you know, he may not see the numbers himself, obviously, but he knows it's not there. A lot of them were going into the dirt. Uh, he knows that. He was able to bring it back in the last couple innings that he was out there and get the command there and the control. But those first two innings were a little bit rough. If, if that's the way it's going to go, it's going to exhaust him faster. He's not going to make it five and if he does that's where we all get upset well why didn't they give him the hook sooner you can't have it both ways we we either have to be conservative with he might be injured or he might not be and this is just where he's at but you can't have it where we complain one way of like we left him out too long or now we took him out too soon so you think that 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 call on saturday was a decision more to win the game than necessarily protecting kershaw i, I think that I was, think the it was plan both. i think it was both before the game, Robert said he, it was going to be a short outing. So, the so it was, was going to be gonna four short. innings, regardless of what the pitch count was. They didn't say four. I think they said like they were going to try to get him five. I don't know that they said six. I'm trying to remember right now. There's been so many interviews in the last couple of days. I don't days. know if they said I think they might have said like four innings, four or five innings tops. Yeah. But even I, I think it's both. It's to protect himself, but also to win the game too. If If he had gone out there and it had gone a little differently in those first two innings, we might have seen him for the fifth, but you know. Well, we're gonna have two weeks, as I've said, of of meaningless baseball in terms of, uh, like the, the divisions wrapped up. We know, but what these next two weeks are gonna be, it's gonna be guys fighting for playoff spots. Primarily, I know the focus is going to be on the pitching. Who's going to be uh, in the bullpen? I, I know, but I want to start off with this because I think a dude that has now solidified that he's going to be on the playoff roster, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on this, is Colton Wong. Uh, especially the at-bat that he had he had this weekend. Uh, I think that dude has played himself onto the playoff roster. He's a veteran. He has the experience. He can come off the bench and hit. Reina, do you see your do you see Colton Wong being one of those options on the on this playoff roster? 
Definitely. He's, I mean, he's come in clutch a couple of times now. I think he hit a, wasn't it a three-run home run like a week or so ago? Yeah. Like when he came in? It was his first at-bat with the Dodgers is when yeah, he hit a three-run home run. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, he's proven he's clutch. He can play second base. So, I mean, I don't see why not. In terms of the position players, I feel like that's probably the only battle, right, babyface? Is who we who are we bringing on to be on the bench for pinch hitting opportunities? I'm trying to think who who else would be kind of fighting for that spot position players, right? Because I think Friedman said they're going to go with 13 pitchers, right? So 13, 13, right? Yeah. So who I'm trying to think who else would he be fighting for a, a spot? The rest, I mean, I think yeah, I think he's going to be he's going to be one of those guys coming off the bench um you know he i think he's 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 showing that he you know he, he can't come up clutch and and it looks like his, his swing is back so so i feel like in terms of the pitching this is what the focus is going to be for the next two weeks we're gonna probably see a lot of more of these piggybacks um and so far they've been successful i mean i know you guys have been giving andrew friedman his flowers you really can't argue with him as much as we're like, ah, I don't know. It's going to catch up with you piggybacking. But look, I know we mentioned it a while back, but I, it's worth noting again, Ryan Yarbrough, the dude is four and one since coming over to the Dodgers. His ERA is under three. Uh, I know there's nothing flashy about him. He, to me, is just a lunch pail dude. He shows up to work, brings his lunch bell, and he does whatever is asked for him, you know, to do. You want me to come in the second? I'll come in the second. You want me to pitch the last three innings of the game? I'll do that. So that's been a a wonderful under-the-radar move. Now, I know everybody was super impressed with Emmett Sheehan on Saturday, what he ended up doing. The question is this, Reina. Can Emmett Sheehan do that consistently? As what we learned with this Marineros team, this Marineros team offensively is maybe not as strong as the other teams the Dodgers are going to see in the playoffs. But MHG did look good against the Bravos. He only made one mistake against the Bravos. So what do you think about, do you think we are going to see a lot more piggyback games these next two weeks as they try to figure out who is going to be who are these 13 pitchers going to be? 100%. I th- and we've been talking about that since midsummer when we were trying to figure out how this team was going to shake out anyway. I mean, the piggyback model, what, whether we want it or not, it's, I think it's here to stay. We saw it today. Uh, Shelby Miller came in as, a, as an opener for the first inning, and then Yarbrough went his four and two-thirds innings, and then Stone came in. And so you're seeing, okay, do, do those match up well, depending on what you know the lineup is on the other side? I think it was pretty successful today. We won. So uh, are they going to pitch every game well? They're still rookies. We still got to give them some grace in the next two weeks. Like, I mean, you guys can scream all you want. You're you're adults. You're grown. But at the <laughs> same time, like, at this, we're just trying it out. Like, it's been working. Babyface. So there's going to be a much shorter leash on these starters these next two weeks, right? Uh, like Bobby Ice, I, I imagine is probably going to go five innings in his next start. Uh, whether Lance Lynn likes it or not, he's probably going to go five innings, and we're going to see more Emmett Sheehan, more Gavin Stone doing this piggyback. This is all about preparing for how they're going to play in the playoffs, right? I mean, this is what we're going to see. What we see them do in these next next two weeks is the strategy going into the playoffs. Yeah, so right now I was I was trying to figure out okay who who are we said thirteen pitchers right so mm-hmm. these are the guys that we're gonna work the only one right now that is on the active roster that I probably don't think is gonna go to the to the postseason and and unless things change like dramatically in the next two weeks is probably Gavin Stone I think everybody else is is on that roster um, Sheehan you know you got guys like Sheehan Vestia you know Yarbrough all those guys I think unless uh, Gavin Stone Kind of, I don't know if he's going to piggyback again or come out of relief in the next coming weeks, but I think he's the only one that doesn't make the cut. I mean, but like you said, I think these next two weeks is, is just kind of going to be determining when are we going to use this guy, when are we going to use this guy, and we've seen with like Ryan Brazier, 
I mean, they're they're putting that guy in high leverage situations, and and he's shown he can handle it. I mean, obviously, you know, he came from the Red Sox. He won a World Series. I mean, this guy has has been clutch for he was clutch back then, and they know he can go out there, and 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 handle those situations. I mentioned that he he pretty much got the role kind of like uh, where Phillips used to come in, kind of like yeah, the sixth inning, seventh inning. We need to get these guys out like right now, and they're going to him. So they're showing a lot of trust in him, and I think that's kind of. These next couple of weeks, that's kind of what, how it's, things are going to shake out. Let's think: where can we use these relievers at, in what spots, and how do we trust them? And we've got to also give them some reps too, because we haven't we've seen Joe Kelly since he came back what once, maybe twice. Like yeah. it's that that balance of let's not tire out the bullpen, but we've also got to get them reps in these games. Babyface, is Evan Phillips making you nervous? <sighs> I mean. I don't know if it's – I think it's been the back-to-back games where he's kind of – he's struggled a little. I mean, he was almost out of it yesterday right to give up that single to tie the game. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean, he is – he's been pretty pretty, pretty consistent. I mean, it's just it's just been maybe the last couple couple outings where he's he's looked a little a little bit hittable. Um, but I think, like I said, next two weeks kind of just getting him, in, getting him ready. And I think – I think uh, – uh, you know, these weeks are going to be big, but I think um, I'm still fine with Phillips. The Dodgers have still not named him as a closer, but yeah, they, for, they, they, they're they acting. They, they named him as closer. Yeah, they said he's closer. He's the closer? Okay. Yeah, um, uh, yeah I, I mean, that's that's what you're looking for in these next two weeks is what what the playoff roster could look like. So I do think Gavin Stone will be doing piggybacking in these next two weeks. How he does in those two weeks, I think, will determine whether he's one of those guys that makes the cut. So, do they have 14 pitchers right now? You're on mute. You're on mute. Yeah, they have 14. They have 14 pitchers right now. Okay, so I want to, before we wrap things up on the show, I do want to segue because the Tigres of Detroit are coming into town on on Monday for a three-game set. And there's two things that I wanted discuss about that one is right now the person who is scheduled to pitch for detroit on monday is eduardo rodriguez the guy who the dodgers for all intents and purposes had made a deal to acquire and he vetoed the trade now revisionist history looking back on it now would you guys feel more comfortable having him on the dodgers or do you think, hey, you know, it, it worked out fine that he's not on the team? Because I, I just want to give you guys this before I get your thoughts on it. I had said when he vetoed the trade that I thought the Dodgers dodged a bullet. And the reason why I thought they had dodged a bullet is because I felt like his numbers were really strong against the AL Central. But when he went outside of the AL Central, his numbers looked very, very different. So that was a concern for me that you were going to trade for this dude and then he was going to get lit up when he came over to the Dodgers and that's the last thing that the Dodgers need. So I just want to throw some numbers at you guys. These are his last 10 starts, okay? Against the Rojos, a team not in the AL Central, he gave up four runs. The Yankees, he gave up three runs. All right, that that's a that's a quality start. The Chicago White Sox, he gave up one run, an AL Central team. He dominated them. The Astros of Houston, he gave up four runs, not an AL Central team. The Guardians, he gave up one run, an AL Central theme. Are you guys uh, getting a theme here? Las Medias Rojas gives up six runs. The Gemelos, an AL Central team, no runs, shuts them out, dominated them. The Piratas, hey, he did good against the Piratas, only gave up two runs. The Angels, he gave up four runs. The Royals of Kansas City, an AL Central team, he gave up two runs. This is now leading into the segment that I like to call Judging Amy. So I'm going to the judge. Judge, I'm pleading my case. I think the Dodgers were okay with not getting Eduardo Rodriguez judge, what say you? In in Andrew Friedman, we trust. I I think we're good. 
All right, I win the case. Thank you. That, yeah, uh, that's it. It I, doesn't. We don't even. It doesn't even need any more merit than that. Like here's my gavel. <laughs> uh, Babyface. That being said, you do know that Eduardo Rodriguez is probably going to shut down the Dodgers tomorrow, right? I mean, I'm in, I'm going to see what type of reaction he gets, right, when he comes out there. Like, uh, I think I think the Dodger fans are going to let him know what what he missed out on, right, and, and they're kind of going to let him know that. But yeah, I don't. I, I hope he doesn't shut him down. I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, that. He won't do that tomorrow. I hope he doesn't. But again, spite runs deep in some teams and some <laughs> players. So you know, you never know what motivates somebody. Well, I I mean, look, if he gets lit up by the Dodgers tomorrow, it's going to be another you know something else that I can add to my case where it's going to be like, look, dude, this guy got lit up. I mean, we, we dodged a bullet. Uh, so last thing before we end the show uh, is Miguel Cabrera is making his final visit to Dodger Stadium. Uh, this was a guy who didn't, well, when he was with the Marlins, he would make visits to Dodger Stadium. But ever since he went to the American League, we, we really didn't see much about him. But so I want to get your guys' thoughts on Miguel Cabrera's career. And I also want to get your thoughts on what do you think, will the Dodgers give him a gift and what kind of gift do you think they should give him? Reina? I mean, do we, do we have a standard gift? Like, is it the same for everybody? Uh, Cause I think I, you mentioned golf clubs when we were chatting before the show. Is that like our standard go-to or. So they gave Pujols, uh, Justin Turner presented him with a set of golf clubs that came from the team. There's always that classic. And I forget who the team was that when Mariano Rivera retired, they gave him a rocking chair that was made up of all the bats that he had broken up, which I think is probably the most creative gift ever given, I think, to, to a player who is retiring. Uh, but the Angels just this past weekend gave him a surfboard. So the Angels gave him something. I'm, I'm curious to see if the Dodgers do give him something and what they come up with, because I'm telling you right now, I haven't the faintest clue. Like, what do you give that guy? Because, look, the guy is a Hall of Famer. I, I He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. If you look at his numbers, and he's not having a very, if you compare it to Miguel Cabrera, it's not a, a, an impressive final season, right? The guy has, he's hitting 258. He has three home runs. Um, so it's not, uh, th- there's a reason why he's he's hanging it up. But if you look at this, his career numbers, the guy has over 3,000 hits. He has over 500 home runs. He has a lifetime batting average of 307. To me, he's he's a lock for the Hall of Fame. Um, but uh, any ideas? Uh, I mean, you're going to be at the game on, on Monday, right? Right, now. What, what are your thoughts when you see Miguel, Miguel Cabrera? I don't know what his hobbies are. Like I can see, I can see Pujols with, with golf clubs, but like, I don't, what does he do in his spare time? Like, what does he do when he's not baseballing? So I don't know. I mean, I I was looking at the stats when we were talking about it before the game, the guy's got over 10,000 at bats. Like, how do you even, how do you even quantify something like that? It's like 20 plus years in the league. That's, it's just amazing. You, you can't just give him golf clubs. Like, <laughs> Babyface, what are your thoughts on Miguel Cabrera? What comes to mind when you hear the name Miguel Cabrera? Yeah, I mean, kind of the same thing. I mean, I, I never really, like, seen him, you know, obviously, like, that much, right? Just when, when he'd come to town or whatever, right? But you'd hear him all the time, type of season he's having in the All-Star game, stuff like that, right? So definitely, like you said, definitely, definitely a, a lock for the Hall of Fame. Um, but as far as, like, gifts like i don't know like what I, I guess somebody that knows him pretty well like kind of what he likes like i don't know do you like a grill or something you know where you can go uh, you know and and you know prepare his tacos you know in the off season something like that i mean i don't know i mean that's uh, i don't really know what they would give him uh they got to find somebody who there any, any dodgers that played with him that might know him pretty good uh that's a very good question because jd, is- JD martinez did he go to detroit when he was in Detroit, yeah, you know, they might have crossed paths because the, the crazy thing about him is 20 year career, he's only played with two teams. He played with the Marlins of Miami and then he's played with the with Detroit. 
And the crazy thing is he played more years for Detroit, but I think of him, the first image that comes into my mind when I think of Miguel Cabrera is as a Marlin. And in that World Series against the Yankees when he was a baby, but he was out there delivering and, and being clutch. I mean, I would have loved to have this guy have been a Dodger. Um, so I, I think if you have an opportunity, you should probably get, go out to the stadium this week if you can get it to any of those three games against Detroit and and be able to see what a future Hall of Famer, you know, especially one that we didn't get to see as often, uh, you know, because he played a large, the majority of his career in the, in the American League. So uh, I'm scouring I, his Instagram right now, and most of his <laughs> pictures are baseball. He's got a couple with cowboy hats. Let's get him a nice cowboy hat. Or there's a couple of him on vacation at the beach. You know <laughs> I'm, what? I, 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 I'm convinced they're going to give him golf clubs. It's going to be <laughs> it's going to be another set of golf clubs. It's going to be. I'm telling you. I bet you. Unless someone really knows him, or they were able to get some intel. I'm I'm pretty sure that they're just gonna sit there and be like, you know what? Let's just get him a golf a pair of golf clubs. I I don't I don't know what the hell to give that guy, but <laughs> that's gonna do it for this episode of the Bleed Lows podcast. Uh, once again, uh, for those of you finding us here or coming across us for the very first time, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. You can listen to us on uh, the audio format, or if you would rather watch us. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. We have a lot of content on YouTube. We're at the stadium. We're covering the team. So there's a lot of pregame, postgame interviews that are available on our YouTube channel. We also have episodes that we have dropped that are just YouTube only. So make sure you're subscribed to that. You all see those who servidor, Juan Ramirez. De parte de mis colegas, La Reina de Playa Larga, Amy Cuevas, and Babyface. Nos vemos para la próxima. This episode of the Bleed Lows podcast has been brought to you by betonline.ag, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.